Good morning. Today, um, we are talking about Jesus' peace. And so uh, we're talking about the, the story or the thing that's going on in the scripture that we want to explore today is Jesus calming the storm. And that's found in Mark chapter 4. So if you want to put a finger there. And then we're also going to talk about Matthew 6. So uh, get out your Bibles or electronic Bibles or whatever that looks like for you. And um, put some fingers there. Uh, Mark is the second book in the New Testament. So if you go about two-thirds of the way in and open it up, it's going to be more or less right there. If you need a Bible, uh, I haven't said this in a long time, and I don't know why I haven't. If you need a Bible, just uh, grab the one that's underneath the chair in front of you, and you can take that home. If you have like five at home, please don't take the ones underneath the, there. But if you're like, I don't have a Bible, um, please take that. We have plenty, um, and we'd love to... Uh, if all the Bibles were gone from the chairs, that'd be a great chore to have to restock those. Uh, so that's, that's fine. It's no, uh, no, don't feel uh, guilty or weird about that. Uh, we want you to have the Word of God that you can take. Um, you can also download the Bible uh, for free on your, if you have a smartphone, from an app called YouVersion. It's done out of a great church in Oklahoma City. Um, and you can have any kind of Bible you ever wanted uh, on your phone. Just like that. Uh, all right. Wonders of technology. Jesus is peace. And for me, uh, I really thought it was going to storm this weekend. I really did. I thought it was going to storm. I changed my whole plans. I was going to go to the lake. And uh, instead, I went to Menards and bought all kinds of stuff. Actually, my wife went to Menards and made me buy all kinds of stuff uh, with a honey-do list. Uh, that said, okay, we're not going to the lake. We're not going to go have fun, so now you've got to work. I was like, man, how's that a trade-off, Dean? I don't understand how that works. Uh, so, but I bought a bunch of stuff uh, from Menards and... Um, of course, because I chose not to go to the lake, it was like the best weekend of the whole entire summer. But I thought it was going to storm. Um, and when we, we go through a storm, or we even think it's going to go through a storm, we act differently, don't we? And many of us, as we go through life, we feel like we are in the middle of a storm. Maybe it is a financial storm. Maybe it's a relational storm. Maybe it's an emotional storm. Maybe it is a, um, any kind of storm. But when our boat is rocked, when we uh, think we have lost control. There's, some people are petrified of storms. I love them. I'm weird that way. Kelly's sister, if it starts lightning out, she's like underneath the bed, underneath the house, underneath, you know, finding, digging a hole deeper under the, the basement to try to get into it. I'm like, hey, let's go out on the porch and watch it. And I, I, I don't know why. That's just how I am. I love watching the lightning. We were going, uh, we were chasing, a couple of weeks ago, we had a a really fun lightning storm. It didn't rain very much, but all kinds of lightning was just lighting up the sky. It was at sunset, and we got in the car and left to go over towards Indiana, um, and we were chasing the storm. Not real. I wasn't doing the crazy storm chaser thing. I was just following it on I-80, uh, and you go at a slow enough pace on I-80 that you can see it all happen, <laughs> also known as a parking lot. Uh, but we were, we were following I-80, and the storm, and the kids are in the back seat, and they're like, ooh, and the lightning is just lighting up the whole sky, the whole view. Daddy, have you ever seen lightning that big before? No, son, I haven't. Have you ever seen lightning that big? Well, I did just a second ago. Okay, <laughs> just over and over and over and over again. But the idea is when I watched the storm from afar, I was okay with it. But if I was driving through that with zero visibility and being scared out of my mind and my kids in the back, the storm would have felt different, would it not? 
I think uh, sometimes we, we kind of deal with that in storms of our own life. Once we, we get out of that storm, if it's already passed by, and we look at it and we say, hey, maybe that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Uh, maybe, maybe that wasn't as, as uh, scary as I thought it was. But in that moment, it gets pretty hectic. And some of us in our own lives, when we're dealing with storms, we get so caught up in the lightning or the waves or the rain um, that we don't know how to get on. And we want to kind of talk about that. And the disciples are dealing with that same kind of feeling with an actual storm, an actual boat, and an actual lake um, 2,000 years ago here recorded in Mark. Mark 4, uh, verse 35 to 41. That day, the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the boat, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. A storm came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? That must have been a pretty exciting day. Uh, Jesus had been going back and forth on the lake. Now, to put it in perspective, you have fishermen who are on this boat. Their livelihood had always been, they grew up on this lake. They knew that these storms could happen. They were familiar with them, yet they are peeing their pants. This is what it sounds like is going on here, right? Now, to give you a little context, the Sea of Galilee, uh, Kevin would be able to talk to you for hours probably about this topic, but the Sea of Galilee is uniquely positioned uh, as Michigan, like Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids, gets, gets lake effect snow, and it's just because coming off the lake, this area, the Sea of Galilee, gets kind of like Mediterranean effect storms. And so you have this uh, hot mass of, uh, of humid air coming over mountains and then hitting a, a desert region. And so because of those combinations, you get really weird weather patterns. I don't really understand it. That's about all the weather I'm going to talk to you about. If you want to nerd out on that more, go talk to Kevin. He'd love to talk to you about it. Um, but so what happens is these instantaneous storms happen. Just all of a sudden, everything's honky-dory, and whoop, there's a lightning storm happening. Um, it's, it's like here. You wait five minutes, so oh, there'll change. Uh, but that's, that's what's going on here. And so the guys are caught in one of these horrible storms that's blowing uh, really hard, and, and the waves are coming over and crashing into the boat. And these aren't very big boats. These boats are smaller than this, than this platform, probably here from the, uh, here to that wall is probably how big the, the boats are. There's not that much of it. So Jesus is keenly feeling, and this is like a big fishing like boat of today's terms. It's not that big. Jesus asleep on this boat. It's pretty much a I don't know how he's doing that, but he must, he's asleep in the back of the boat, probably on some ropes or some nets or something, and just he's preached all day. And let me tell you what, here in about three hours, I'll be asleep on, it didn't matter if it was nets, ropes, or if there was a storm, I'll be passed out. And that's just what happens, what preachers do after they preach. Just, uh, it happens. I'm already, I'm already thinking about passing out. Um, the idea... Behind this is that he is asleep, and the storm whips up, and they are petrified. And all they're focusing in on is these waves crashing into their boat. That is what is taking over their thought process. And for us today, I want to pull from that. Peace is only elusive when we concentrate on the waves. 
Peace is only elusive when we concentrate on the waves. We get so concerned with what the waves are doing that we forget how to get out of the way of the waves. If you watch Deadliest Catch, we talked about this last week, but they're always concerned with how the waves are hitting the boat because if the waves are hitting the boat at the wrong angle, it'll flip them over. And they always have to turn the boat into it. It gets real exciting when one of their props breaks or the engine goes out or something. They can't turn the boat into those waves. They're really, really concerned about turning over. The same kind of thing is happening here is you have a smaller boat, and when waves hit it, it's going to go whoop and flip over. And so they have to turn into that. But all they're concerned with is how big these waves are that are hitting them. And they forget how to be fishermen, basically. They're like, ah! When we concentrate on the waves, peace is only... Elusive when we concentrate on the waves. A story, one of my favorite youth ministry stories. One of my kids, we were on a mission trip in Indiana. We are at Yellow Creek Camp, which is like uh, camp, or, uh, camp Warren here. And so the camp for northern Indiana, I brought my students up from Georgia. They were supposed to go to Jamaica. That got canceled because people in Kingston were shooting each other. Parents got excited for some reason. Um, so in three days, I had to plan a whole other mission trip. So I was like, hey, let's go to Yellow Creek Camp. Um, and we painted the whole camp. Yeah, yeah, no one was disappointed that they got to go to Indiana instead of Jamaica, right? I still have like, um, yeah, people are still upset. But the real reason I moved to Shorewood was. No. <laughs> so we go to this camp, and they have this old, old truck. And we're running and walking all over this camp, moving paint buckets and ladders and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, do you have a truck I could use? And she's like, oh, yeah. If you can get it started, you can use it. I heard once that if you pour, like, Pepsi or Coke on a battery, like, it comes off the corrosion stuff. So I took the, I took the things off, Paul. I didn't electrocute myself. I, I scrubbed it a little bit down. I got the corrosion off. I put the connectors back on. I don't even know what they're called. Put them back on. It started. It was like Jesus was like, I will take this kid. You have no idea what you're doing. I will start this truck for you. And so I started this truck. I'm like, yes. So he took pity on me because of the whole, the whole Jamaica thing, I think, is really what happened. Got my small little miracle of a truck starting. And so I uh, get in this truck, and I had, a, I had a freshman boy with me, Caleb, and he's in the back of the truck. And uh, he, because any you know, freshman boy wants their dream in life is to ride in the bed of a pickup truck. And to bounce around. That is like you're the highlight. You can do no wrong. You get him in the back of a pickup truck. Woo! Life is good. So we got him in the back of the pickup truck. Well, this truck hadn't moved in, I don't know, three years. So you can imagine the leaves and the goo and the stuff that's in the back of this pickup truck. He's sitting there. And I barely start to go. And this sludge ooze water starts to come towards him. Now, I'm only going like two miles per hour. I barely took it out. It's idling going. And I look in my rearview mirror, and I see this kid. And he's against the tailgate. Ah, the water! Screaming his head off. The kids are just dying laughing. Because a freshman on a senior high, that's, that's the epitome of like low man on the totem pole. Senior high can't. He's flipping out because, ah, the water. Not to mention, he could get out. I'm not going anywhere. He could get out of the truck. He could move. He could squat. He could, there's a, a whole number of things. He is so petrified by fear. All he can think of is a sludge coming towards him. He cannot move. I think sometimes we get so petrified by waves that you know, our flight, 
fight or flight syndrome, like that's great when a bear's involved, but for making rational thoughts, it's not really that good. It's not good in emotion, in relational stuff. Fight or flight, not really the best thing when you're dealing with your wife. Just, just throwing that out there. Not good when you're dealing with your boss. Not good with dealing with other things. So you have this issue, like he is petrified. He does not know what to do. He can't rationally think through the, the other stuff. I think sometimes when we see the waves and the storms of life coming at us, we get so, we can't even think about how we're supposed to react. Peace is only elusive when we concentrate on the waves. He was concentrating on the water, and so therefore he couldn't get himself out of the situation. We do that in different ways all the time. The reality of this is the waves were not big enough to derail Jesus' plan. The reality of this whole story is the waves are not strong enough. The waves are not big enough. They're not going to destroy the God of this universe's plan for redemption for people. If Jesus is who he is, a little waves, a little wind, a little lightning is not going to destroy his plan. And this is kind of a test of, of, of who, who is Jesus. I mean, they have to be thinking, he just like raised the person from the dead. And this is how we're going to go out? <laughs> This is how we're going to go out some rain. It's like, if he actually is that guy, none of this really matters. They were starting to focus in on the waves. The point is to see his plan instead of the obstacles. Another story for you. I had an assistant swim coach named Chuck, and he also played in like a semi-semi-semi-pro hockey league. Like I think, I don't know, maybe he just told us it was a semi-pro hockey league to make us feel good about him, but uh, he played hockey a lot, is what the, the moral of the story is. And we played roller hockey on the church parking lot behind our house. And Chuck, didn't matter if you were on his team or off his team. What's the, I don't know much about hockey, but I know this. Number one rule of hockey when, you're, when you start playing is what? Don't look at your skates, right? Don't look down. You can't see the puck. You can't see the goal. You can't see the person getting ready to kill you. So we're out there. This is my assistant swim coach. I am captain of the team. He probably should treat me okay. Nah. Look down at my skates. What happens? Blasted. He's a little guy. I'm like a foot taller than him. Little guy. Blast me. I'll go flying over. Somebody, anybody, anybody on the plane out there, as soon as they drop their head on his own team, he'd blast them. Put your head up. Start screaming at you. I'm surprised we didn't all have broken, you know, forearms. He would kill us. Well, the point, we started focusing in on our skates. We started focusing down here. He knew we couldn't play the game, and he took a perverse joy out of blasting us. I know that. But we couldn't play the game to our potential. We couldn't be who we were supposed to be. We couldn't play the positions that we we're supposed to play if all we were doing is staring at our skates. I think sometimes when we're dealing with something that's unstable, when we're dealing with something that's so worrisome, that all we do is stare at that problem instead of keeping our head up. Peace is only elusive when we concentrate on the waves. Number two. Oh, before we go on, I want, uh, this, this struck me last night. And I know I say that all the time. It's because I, I write my messages like on Tuesday, and then I think about them all, and then I go back over them on Saturday night. So you're like, does he just write his messages at midnight on Saturday night? No, 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 no. This is a week-long process, I promise. Uh, but last night I was going over this story and going over my message, and I thought, this, this hit me. If Jesus didn't think they could handle the storm, he wouldn't have fallen asleep. And for you today, maybe you need to hear that. 
and the storm that you're going on, if Jesus didn't think you could handle it, he wouldn't have fallen asleep. So many of us are screaming to God, where are you? Where are you in this moment? Why are you not touching? Why are you not fixing this problem? Why are you not in this issue? Why are you not handling this? Why are you not taking care of this? If he didn't think you couldn't handle it, it wouldn't be yours in the first place. He has way more faith in you than probably you have in yourself. And maybe that's for somebody. That happened last night. I was like, ooh, that's good. Kelly's like asleep on the couch. Wake up. Wake up. You're not going to be in church tomorrow. You need to hear this. She didn't find it as good as I thought. Anyway, it's a marriage issue. Go to counseling later. If Jesus didn't think you could, they could handle the storm, he wouldn't have fallen asleep. Point two, we miss peace when we forget who is in the boat with us. We miss peace when we forget who is in the boat with us. They forgot who this guy was. After this miracle, if you read on in, uh, in Mark, the next two chapters are all about amazing miracles that happen. They must have gone, oh man, we didn't trust him. Like, we're talking all kinds of huge miracles. The ones that we've been talking about for the last three weeks, huge demons being uh, thrown out and people being healed and all kinds of amazing supernatural miracles. It's kicked off with this storm being silenced. I must be like, oh my goodness. He is bigger, better, better than I ever thought he was. Every time. What? 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 We miss, the, we miss peace when we forget who is in the boat with us. Because who is laying in that boat? Who is asleep there? But the God of all universe, the creator of all this, Think about that. They actually had a physical presence of Jesus there. Breathing air, sleeping in the boat. We have him in the form of the Holy Spirit with us all times too. But we forget who is in the boat with us. It's not just an add-on. It's not just a a funny feeling. It's not just a, a tingly in our leg. It's not just a book. It is that God himself is with us. And when we, we miss peace, when we forget who that is. It's all about, that's all about control. When we wrestle control away from God or we deal with these storms and we don't have control over them, it causes anger and anxiety. Those are the two repercussions of, of not having control over an issue. You either have a lot of anxiety over the issue or you have a lot of anger over the issue. And you just get mad about it. I remember when God broke me of, of this. I still have some control issues. Uh, just ask Yvonne, but that's okay. Uh, I, but, but God really, this was a huge defining moment in my life. I, I had some serious control issues, and I wanted to fix everything, and I would get so mad and so worked up and so anxious about it if I couldn't control it. And like, to the nth degree, it was defining my life. Maybe some of you guys find yourselves in that spot. Here was the moment that changed me. Kelly's pregnant for, with twins. She's pregnant for, I don't know, four months, five months. And she starts to spot. And that moment, I'm at work. And she's like, I don't know what's going on. This is exciting. I'm like, okay. I don't know what, I can't. Now, as a dad of a pregnant woman, you are already completely powerless. This is why we go out and get ice cream. Because that's the only thing we can do. (laughs) 
But when your wife starts to have complications, when your wife starts to have an issue, you are totally powerless. You can't fix anything. You can't do anything. You can't be like, oh, I'll take care of that, babe. Let me put a, get a Band-Aid and some peroxide. I got, got this. You have no control. And I just started praying, God, I, 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 God, I don't even know what to say. God, 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 and I'm, I'm at work, and I'm calling my boss. I'm like, I am leaving the store. I will lock the door. I don't care if you fire me. I've got to go be with my wife. She's like, get out of there. I was like, okay. So I left. I left the store. I was like, I'm out. Get her, and we, we were at the doctor's office and all these things, and, and it changed me, knowing that I couldn't do anything for my wife. I couldn't do anything for the situation. It, it changed me that all my anxiety, all my anger, all my control issues over that had no bearing on what could happen. No bearing on how I could affect my wife in those situations. Now, thankfully, everything was okay, and it was just a routine little thing. But at the moment, do you know it's routine? Oh, no. In the moment, your world's collapsing, is it not? In the moment, those waves are coming over the boat. We miss, when you place control of God, in God's hands, you place the responsibility of being angry or anxious in his hands and take it out of yours. When you place control in God's hands, you place the responsibility of being angry or anxious in his hands and take it out of yours. Some of you are dealing with issues that you are so anxious about and so angry about, and the reason you're so angry and the reason you're so anxious is you will not give it over to God. And you're gripping it in a death hold. I'll be honest with you. You can't control it in the first place. As Frozen says, let it go, let it go. We miss peace when we focus in on our circumstances instead of his power. We miss peace when we focus in on our circumstances instead of his power. And this is a focus of trust. And I was hit with this this week was, I trust God to get me out of hell. I don't question that at all. But I question his ability to get me out of my relational, my emotional issues every day. Does that make any sense at all? No. I'll answer the question for you. It was rhetorical, but no, it doesn't make any sense. I trust him with my soul. I trust him that I will not go to hell because I have given my life to him. But I don't trust him with the little things in my world. And I wish I could be honest with you and tell you why that is. I, I don't know. But I've got to trust him, and you have got to trust him. We miss peace when we focus on the circumstances instead of his power. Is he really God Almighty or is he not? In Matthew 6, verse 24 to 34, says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life and you, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is, it not more, is life more... Sorry. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. 
Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry about uh, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. For pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things... All these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has worry of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Is Jesus saying, don't work, don't worry about it, just sit on your keister and every day? No, that's not what he's saying. But he's saying, listen, God loves you and is going to take care of you. And I have to remind myself of that when I'm worried and anxious and popping tums and chewing on Rolaids is, Am I helping the situation by doing this? I ate so many Rolaids, I got mint-flavored ones, so at least it's helping my breath at the same time. True story. But am I helping myself in this? Am, am I, is my mental capacity is being used to its optimum by just worrying about things, or am I figuring out solutions? I challenge you today to not focus on the issue, but focus on the solutions. And most of that is about God. Focusing on how he wants you to handle that situation. Because when we get myopic and we think about all the issues that we're having and their problem is this and their problem is this and oh, my money problem is this. All we focus in on is the bad part and we don't focus in on, well, how do I get another job to fix that issue? How can I love them better to fix that issue? How can I speak more love into their life in this issue? We don't focus in on those things because we get so myopic about worrying about the issues at hand. I used to look at this story and think, wow, Jesus just fixed their problem. He stood up and said, hush, be quiet. I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> like, he was cr- cranky when he woke up. <sighs> I used to think this was awesome. Jesus just fixed their problem. I was like, what? Can, you, can, you, can I order one of those? And it's like, hey, Jesus, hey, I'm drowning here. A couple of things to uh, think about that. There will always be more storms. That didn't fix storms forever. There will always be more waves. Jesus might not always fix my problem the way I want him to, but he's always capable of saving me. So how do we deal with the waves? How do we deal with the storm? What application do we take from this? We have to remember who was in the boat. We have to focus in on who is in that boat. I want to focus on Jesus, on being peace. How do we do that? My prayers when I'm dealing with storms get very self-centered. That's probably yours do too. We're dealing with stuff, oh, Jesus, like he doesn't know our problems. We act, we act like he's not God of the universe. Like, ah, this wave is so big. This issue is so big. This issue is taking me under. This is so terrible. This is so terrible. And we, we finished. All right, told God everything. Amen. And we fall asleep. If we made it to the end of the prayer. Just being honest. I wonder in the storms if that's the exact time instead of speaking, 
we should be listening. Because he might be sitting there going, well, you could... Turn the... Pick up the... Who was the hush for? Was the hush for the disciples? Or was it for the waves? Because... I know sometimes in my storms, I need to be told, be quiet, hush, shut it, listen. And the storms of our life, they're there to teach us something. And if maybe we just quiet ourselves, maybe if we just calm down a little bit, we can listen to what God's trying to teach us and tell us of how to navigate through it, how to move through it how to come out on the other side. Maybe we just need to hush. In my prayer life, I want to, and urge you as well, is to listen more than we speak. God, here's my issue. What do you have for me? And you will have thoughts and ideas and solutions come into your brain that you never would have thought of. Maybe it's not an audible voice, but all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that is genius. God's like, yeah, I I know, I planted that. Okay, anyway. Maybe it's us that need to hush when the waves are coming. I want to rest in him. I want to spend time in prayer just focusing on, God, I'm dealing with these storms and you know all about them. Can you bring me peace? Today, maybe... uh, you need to come in contact with a God who can bring you peace. Maybe you need to come in contact with a Jesus who loves you and cares about the stuff that you're going on. He actually does care about the waves that are crashing over your bow. And he has the capability of calming those storms, and he believes in enough of you that you can get through it. Maybe you can come in contact with that God today. You need to brush up against that Jesus and easiest praying this prayer with me. Jesus, will you calm the storms of my life? Will you come into my heart and take my junk away? I've done stupid things, but God, I I need your help getting through these storms. God, will you meet me in this place? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For those of us who have known God maybe for a long time, but still the waves get pretty scary and the storm and the lightning kind of makes us wanting to run for the basement. I want to take communion today. I want to take communion and in the quietness and during the song of of communion, I want to just participate in this and we want to rest in Jesus. And maybe the storms are threatening to overwhelm us, but at this moment, I just want to calm down. We practice open communion here. Ben, come on up here at Shorewood and If you are uh, a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are more than welcome to take uh, part in this communion. Uh, What we'll do is everyone come down this aisle, take the elements, and return to your seats this way. Kind of in a big circle. And that will be uh, uh, the least traffic uh, that we possibly can be here in this setup. As we take this communion, I want you to uh, think about resting in Jesus I want you to think about him as peace over all the issues of your life, whether it's a crazy family or a crazy spouse, 
crazy situations, crazy issues, money worries. That God, I want you to meet me here. And maybe I just need to hush, and maybe I need to listen to you, and maybe I need to rest into you and all that you have for you. This grape juice and this bread represents the body and the blood of Jesus poured out for us. It represents his willingness to be in the boat with us. It represents his willingness to do anything he can to save us from the storms of life. So as you take these elements today, impress that upon your heart, impress that upon your soul. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And thank you for this time together. Thank you for this wonderful church. And God, I ask you to be with us as we fight through the storms, as we row harder sometimes. But God, you see those waves. You see all of our waves. You see all of our storms. And some of them seem pretty big, God. So right now in our brokenness, right now in our fears, right now in our anxiety, right now in our, even in our anger, God, we ask for your peace to reign supreme in our hearts. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.